You're listening to Insights for Living with Pastor Boju Oyemade. Pastor Boju is the senior pastor of the Covenant Nation. All right, so this morning I want to share on the faith that moves mountains is a gift of grace. And what I want to show here is that God has made this issue of faith easy. We are the, we are the ones that have made it difficult. By the arrangement of the New Testament, the faith that is operative in the New Testament is a function of grace imparted, or it's an imparted grace into the hearts of people. Where God imparts his grace in our hearts, and by that impartation, we now function unconsciously without even thinking about it in powerful regions of faith. In other words, when Moses came down from the mountain, he wasn't even aware that his face was shining, which means that it was something that the Spirit of God did silently but powerfully in the consciousness of Moses without his him consciously knowing that it had occurred, it was the people around that saw that his face was glowing, and from the exclamation then, Moses knew that. This is the way God will impact this faith that will move mountains into your consciousness, and you'll start operating at levels that you will not even be conscious that you are doing, all right, um, supernatural things that are fit until people around you now begin, all right, so exclamation kinds of things begin to go on. That's when you realize that for to you, it will be as simple as lifting up your hands, getting those things done. If we understand that the New Testament faith is a grace or it comes by the impartation of grace into our hearts. We have taken it out of the region of the spiritual and grace to a place where we consciously want to work, up, uh, work ourselves up into a psychological state of mind, all right, where we believe that certain things are real even though our five physical senses cannot make contact with them. But it comes through the impartation of grace. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says this, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, that which is the faith, it is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It is not of works, verse 9, lest any man should boast. Even when the Bible speaks about the manifestation of the Spirit and talks about the gifts of the Spirit, one of the things it says the Spirit gifts us with is what is called faith. So it is something that is given. Romans 12 verse 3 tells us, Paul said, through the grace that is given unto me, all right, it says, I say unto you, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt 
to every man God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. God gives it or deals out faith in measures. So it says in Ephesians 2, 8 again, for by grace are you saved through faith. Now let me ask a question. It's not a trick question. All right, God forbid if somebody falls into a well and the person is crying out for help and sees somebody walking past, and then this person walking past hears the voice of this person and starts going around to find out how he can save this person from the well there and finds a rope and throws the rope down to the person and pulls the person out of the well, who saves the guy who was in the well? The other chap. Okay? Isn't that who he called for? What did the person use to save him? A rope. But who is he going to thank? The person. He won't hold the rope and say, rope, I thank you very much, and ignore the person. Isn't that what he's going to He will thank the person. So by grace are you saved through faith. So as another person finds a rope, grace provides faith for you to be saved. Grace is the one that made the provision, all right, inside you are going to see this, of faith in order for you to be saved. Just like it throws the rope down to you in order for you to hold onto it and experience salvation. And when we understand this, then it guarantees results. For it says in Romans chapter 4 and verse 16, he said, It is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, for this purpose, that the promise might be sure or it might be certain, all right, to all the seed. So in order for it to be certain and for it to come to pass in your life, God says it will be by faith so that grace will be the one responsible here for getting this thing done. Well, like I said, what we have done is that we've taken this out of the realms of grace, and then we are now trying, all right, to produce this thing we have called faith independent, all right, of God, so that we can present something to God and say that, God, we have pleased you. All right? It is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do what? To do of his good Pleasure. Let me repeat that. It is God who is at work in you. Pull out that scripture, all right, both for you to will and also to do of his own good pleasure. Right? So it says, For God, it is God who worketh in you. Please get this. Both to will and to do of his good what? What does pleasure mean? What is pleasing to him? You get that? So God is at work in you both to will and to do what pleases him in your life. Let me repeat it. Under the law, you are trying to do things. In grace, God is the one who is at work in you both to will and to do. That's why it says, they that receive, not produce it, the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace shall reign in life. You are receiving something. So he is the one who is at work in you both to will and to do of his own good pleasure. Then it tells us what is pleasing to God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. 
For without faith, it is what? Impossible to please him. So if it's acts of faith that produces good pleasure, all right, or pleases God, or makes God happy, then God says, I am the one who is at work in you, both to will and then also to produce that which is pleasing in my sight. So faith is the one that does it. That's why it tells us in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20, it says this, Hebrews 13 and verse 20. It says, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect. The same way God raised up lifeless Jesus. He will make you perfect in every good work, working in you. Remember, without faith, it's impossible. That which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus, to whom be the glory forever and ever. So I want to show that the activities of God inside you is what brings you into a state. Now, therefore, you can't take the glory. You can't look at yourself as being superior to somebody else. Are you following what I'm saying here? I mean, I like something. I was, somebody is going to be my friend now. I invited him for the minister's conference. And the reason why he's going to be my very good friend is that because when I called him and the first time I had a conversation with him, I said, no, I want you to be at this conference. He said, fine, all right? And he said, I want to be at this conference and you're also going to speak at Wabbeck and the two together, all right? And when I said it to him, he said, I said, look, I like what you're doing across the country, what you are now doing in Europe. You're planting churches everywhere. He said it to me three times. He said, it is not me. It's the team. It is the team. It is the team. You see, people that don't take the glory. Do you get what I'm saying here? If you're somebody else, you say, oh, don't worry, it was just faith that we're just putting some principles. You start, you start drawing attention to yourself. Okay? If you ever draw the attention to yourself, you are confused. It's not that you are correct. You are actually confused. All right? You are confused. It's just like Moses coming down from the mountain and then his face was shining and said, ah, it's me now. All right? That's why when you are conscious of the energy you are putting in, you're on the wrong track. For God is the one who is at work in you both to will and to do, and the Bible says that which is. All right? So Hebrews, all right, I'll say it will make you perfect, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Final one in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 7, it tells us, 2 Corinthians 8, 7, it says, therefore, as you are bound in this, in everything, in faith, in utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and your love towards us, abound ye in this grace also. So he said there was a grace that he was telling them about, but he says, as you abound in the grace of faith, and the grace of love, and the grace, or right, the love they had, and the grace, he said, there's of, of diligence, he said, abound in this grace also. What grace was he talking about there? It was the grace of generosity, and if you look at verse 1, well, we'll see in that place that what was going on, he was telling them about this church. He said, moreover, brethren, we would like you to know the grace of God bestowed upon the churches in Macedonia. He said, let me tell you what this grace did. He says, how that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy. So they were going through personal trials and they were going through affliction. 
but there was abundance of joy in them. In their deep poverty, they were abounding to the riches of their generosity. In other words, they were going through trials, but what you saw was an abundance of joy. They did not have as much as they would have wanted to have, but what you saw was an unusual level of generosity in them. He said, where did this come from? It was grace that produced it. He said, for to their power, I bear record beyond their power, they were willing of themselves Verse 4, praying us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift, which means they had gathered money for the church at Jerusalem that was going through things. They were going through things also, but they were conscious of themselves. Grace was at work on the inside of them. So when he says grace produced diligence, Paul said, I labor more than you all. He said, yet not I, but it's the grace of God. In other words, you saw the work ethic of Paul, and at the same time, you see this man, he will become, he will be all of that. All right, it's grace that is producing it right in his life. People that say that they are too busy to see people, they are doing the wrong things. I'm a very busy person. I'm just too busy. That means you are doing things nobody sent you. So faith is a product of this grace on the inside of us, not something that we are trying, all right, to do in ourselves. I want to show how we get to this. First of all, let me explain this because what we have called many a times faith is actually hope. Now, and the reason is we have thought hope all right, just to be something that describes our personal aspirations. So we think that when it says that faith is a substance of things you hope for, it's the substance of the things you aspire to be or the substance of the things you desire. So once we now step into the spiritual and there's revelation or we say we receive the rema from God, we just automatically say that we are now operating in faith because we believe on the inside that something is going to happen and we expect that God is going to do something. We think that we're operating in the God kind of faith. Now, your own aspirations, we've explained this, or desires, are not what the scripture calls hope, but it's the beginning of the conversation. It's the seed that God puts inside you so he can get some response and get a pull from you so that he can now give you, all right, the hope, all right, that he has for your life, which is bigger than your own personal aspirations or the dream that you have on the inside of yourself. Or if there are circumstances in your life that are creating pressure, it's an indication to you that there is something God has for you that you are not yet in alignment with. He wants you to report that situation to him so he can give you a promise that will describe the future that he intends for your life. Do you get what I'm saying? So let me give an example here about aspirations, desire. We've said this. That hope is an expectation that is based on a promise that God makes to you after you communicate your desire to him. Now, I'll give you an example. It happened to me yesterday where I went to preach. So I went to preach somewhere on Friday night, and then I preached again in the morning. That was after the class two leader. I went to preach there. So what happened was that the Friday night I, I preached, and, and, and so when I got in the morning, they, they, they were so blessed that the pastor got up and said, you know, we wish pastor could give us another session. We were so blessed. We wish you were looking at them another session. Do you know how many? I, have, I preached three, three times yesterday. I said, I know I was looking at them another session. I just laughed. And they two were laughing at another session. But what had happened? Now, that was their desire. Okay? 
But what had happened was that last year, or because they invite me every year, so last year I'd gone to preach there, and they gave me two sessions, it's Friday night, Saturday morning, but the Saturday morning I couldn't come, I wasn't going to be able to make it, all right, because I had to go somewhere, I think it was when we were opening churches, so around that time, so I said I couldn't be able to come. So I preached Friday night, and I promised them, all right, that I will give you another date during the year, and I will make up for this meeting I missed. So they said, okay, deal. So when they were saying that we want pastor to come, if he just could take another session, one of the pastors now said loud, he said, but he promised us last year. Now, by reminding me of a promise I made, they moved from desire to expectation. In other words, based on what you said to us, now we desire this, but when we desire it, we are pleading. But if it's based on what you said, we are demanding. In other words, we are making a demand now because it is based on your word. Your word has made you indebted to us. And that thing will hang on me until I fulfill it. Do you get what I'm saying? If I can tell you that one day something will happen and God says, go and fulfill that thing. And this thing will go. Do you get what I'm saying? Because it's a word that you gave, a promise you gave. So what God is saying is that once I give you a promise now, you bring your aspirations to me. So I said, if somebody says, well, I want 50,000, I desire that you should give me 50,000. The person doesn't tell me. The person goes and comes back tomorrow and then says, I'm disappointed. Pastor did not give me 50,000. I said, did I know anything about 50,000? This is the way we do with God. We don't inform him about the situation. Now, when you now go and say, I need 50,000 and God, and then I make a verbal commitment to you, what I have done is that I am now indebted to you based on what I have said. It has transferred from desire, all right, to a place where you have an expectation where you can make a demand. So we said, the Bible says in Psalm 119 verse 49, remember thy word, which is what they did to me yesterday, unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to do what? Hope. So hope is based on God's response to you as a person, which means God speaks to you. Look, without you going to God, all right, and talking to him about it, and him giving you a promise, right, you can be carrying a desire, but you are exposed, because you will be hurt, all right, but you're not covered because God has not said anything. For example, I'm not just shouting Liverpool, I didn't watch the match. I went to deliberately sleep because I can't put myself under stress. All right? It is after the match, if I saw a comment, congratulations, all right? If I was one of my staff, she's a Chelsea fan, she said, we are, we are holding you people up. I was checking, zero, zero, holding you people up. I said, well, we get to penalties. Don't forget, it's penalties we used to beat you last time. I said, affliction won't come a second time. <laughs> it was quoting scripture. But why would I go to sleep? It is my desire. If we lost, I would have been, I would have, I won't have eaten properly. <laughs> but I had no promise from God. I am left uncovered. It's you that went to choose Liverpool by yourself. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? So I do not expose my, I don't go, I mean, because that's what is going to be happening. All right? I, and I don't know any scripture from anywhere that God will say Liverpool will win and that team will not win. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying here? So many people carry their desires and they're exposed. 
Now you can feel the pain of having it not fulfilled, but it's because that thing is not covered. Do you get what I'm saying? And don't think that. We just assume God to know. Asa did not tell God about the condition of his foot. And the Bible says because he never told God, the thing deteriorated until he died from it. So you take your desire to God, and when there's a verbal um, uh, uh, commitment, or you see it inside the word of God, and we've explained how you get that, you spend time in prayer and get to the place where you hit the gosha, praying in tongues over your desire. Once you hit the gosha, you've gotten to the flow of the Spirit. Immediately after, or I pray in that particular way, go to your Bible immediately to read part of the scriptures that you understand. Say, where do I read? Go to the places in the books you understand. If you look at Leviticus, you don't understand, you leave Leviticus. If you go to exit, you don't understand it, leave it alone. If what you understand is Genesis, stay there. God can show you the promise anywhere. But don't let the influence of the Spirit wane before you go and pick up the Scriptures. Because Paul described the influence of the Spirit as use alcohol. If a person takes alcohol after some time, the influence begins to wane there, all right? So the influence of the Spirit can wane with time and many people put a large distance between the time they pray in tongues and the time they read the Bible. So the measure of the Spirit available in their heart when they are reading the Scripture is low. All right. So now what you want to do now is that after God gives you that promise, you now want to go, please, this is I'm getting to it here, because I never, it was yesterday God showed me something for the first time in my life. We will now want to go and get the substance from God of that particular thing that you're hoping for. The same God who gave you the promise is the one who will give you the substance to get it done. Mary said, how can these things be? God said, I gave you the promise. I'm the one that will also give you the substance to make it happen. Now, let me explain what the substance is. Let me explain this way. So, if you desire, let's say now, um, um, let's say now you have an, the hope here is to get a car of, let's say the car costs 10 million. Now, I want to show substance. All right, 10 million naira. Now, what you have in your own account is 100,000 naira. Now, you don't have the substance. You get what I'm saying? Of that particular car. So, if you see the car and they tell you, are you going to have the car? You will be saying, yes, I'm going to get this car one day. I'm going to get this car one day. I'm going to get this car one day. But even that speech will be without confidence. Okay? You might be shouting, but you know, they're speaking from fear and they're speaking from faith. You can say in Jesus' name, and people say, what's the problem? In other words, what they had was problem. All right? What's the problem? What's the matter? So you may be saying something, but your heart is empty. Now, if you do a business transaction and 80 million comes into your account, as substance, you now have abundantly, exceedingly abundantly above what you asked or what you are imagining. You know your countenance will change. You know when you enter, there will be an aura. You don't have to fake it. It is just, you, the, people even say, ah, your posture has changed because the substance has what? Entered. Now, the car has not yet come, but the substance of that car has entered into your account. 
you now withdraw from that substance in exchange for that particular car. So hope is that image you have in front of you. This is what I want. Now, faith is the substance that enters into your heart, that puts you into a place where you are fully persuaded you have more than enough to get this thing done. Do you get what we're saying here? Now, when you make a declaration, you are releasing that substance from your heart to cause there to be in exchange for that particular thing, which means there's a materialization of that. So when the substance, when the Bible says you shall lay your hands on the sick, what he's trying to tell you is not that the act of laying of hands saves the sick, but through the laying on of hands is a point of contact to transfer a substance you've received, do you get what's in here, for that particular sick together. So what we're sharing today is how do I receive this substance on the inside of me now? Quickly, the substance can be in the form of, and this is what God showed me, power or wisdom. In other words, and this ends some debate in the body of Christ. Because some people say, well, this people are just teaching principle, principle, principle. But we are power, power, power. It's power, power, power. And then some people look at it and say, this people are just talking power, power, power. There are principles that do that. You can't build a good family on power. Nobody has built a solid business on power. You can release power and get one contract, but you can't build a company on power. Do you understand what I'm saying? And when it comes to this part, I say, well, I'm going for that meeting because, all right, you can do that and get that and get, and because of the, we have what you call um, rent mentality, not many people are really builders of business in this country. What people are doing is they are middlemen and contract collectors. So they can say, well, I just want that contract. I just want that contract. And then they get contract and they go and spend the money anyhow. And then they come back again. I want another contract. So, it is either God pours power into your spirit where power is needed or he puts wisdom on the inside of you. This podcast is brought to you by The Covenant Nation. For more information, visit www.insightsforliving.org. Thank you and God bless.